Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this morning, our guest is uh, Matt Boris with Boris Law Group. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, Matt, tell us, you know, you know, you, you gotten into law. Um, how did you decide that you wanted to become an attorney? Well, it's actually an interesting question. Both my mother and father are attorneys and that sort of dissuaded me from ever even going to law school because of the argumentative nature of our household. I had sort of maligned views of the profession, but ultimately I thought it was a good education. And as I, you know, proceeded through my coursework, I realized what a special thing it is to practice law and um, what an amazing opportunity I had to practice law with my dad, uh, you know, who founded his own law firm 40 years ago and, uh, you know, has had this lifelong crusade uh, fighting against insurance companies. Um, and so I sort of fell into it for this circuitous family tie to the law in an odd way, I suppose. Right. What, um, I guess, wh what is it about law that, that gets you fired up in the morning and wanting to go in the office? You know, one, one thing about it that really surprised me uh, that I didn't know um, uh, I would love so much about it is that law is an incredibly powerful tool. Um, so much of life for ordinary individuals feels like you're being ripped off one way or the other by you know an insurance company or uh, some other person that you have business dealings with or whatever the case may be. And we've all experienced this in some form or another, whether it's your cell phone company or uh, you know dealing with medical bills or whatever, you just reach a dead end in trying to get them to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately the law is sort of your last resort. It's kind of this sword that people can unsheath and use uh, to protect themselves. And it's a very powerful tool and uh, an incredible responsibility to be able to wield that, that kind of weapon against people that have done a lot of wrong and, um, and ruined people's lives. That to me gets me fired up because every day um, clients call me and tell me their story, you know, about how they've been wronged and that they have nothing else that they can do. They've tried everything and they're in debt. Uh, they are disabled. They've lost their home. They're really in dire need of help. And they've turned to me to, to fight on their behalf. It's an incredible honor and privilege and something that I didn't expect would be, um, part of this job, but it, really gets me fired up in the morning every day. That's great. Now, you said that, that you guys specialize in, in uh, with insurance and, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, if you're an attorney, you can do everything. I mean, can, can you elaborate on that for us a little bit? I can do some things well, uh, but I can't do everything. Um, you know, I, I had a professor in law school who made a similar comment. She was not a lawyer herself. She was teaching a course on critical race theory, actually. And so she was a PhD, but um, she was wowed at everyone's ability to sort of analyze new issues and look at it from different angles 
And what she said is, wow, you guys have superpowers. Um, so I think that there is a public perception that lawyers can do incredible things. And there's some truth to that. But at the same time, you know, uh, my specialty is insurance. Um, and I have subspecialties in that too. Um, you know, you come to me with a disability insurance case and I could tell you everything about it or a homeowner's insurance case or, you know, commercial property insurance case. But if you come at me with an auto insurance case, you know, I'll be sort of performing the layman lawyer's analysis of it, where sure I can identify patterns and issues that, uh, look like problems, but, um, ultimately it's, it's a very specialized profession. I mean, there's so many different areas of the law. Um, you can't expect one lawyer to know everything about every area of the law, even judges too. Right. So, so in the, in the law field, people do specialize in certain areas. So, you know, if, how should somebody go about trying to find, um, someone that is an attorney that is good in a particular field. I mean, you know, you say that, that you guys um, do a lot with, with insurance and disability and stuff. How does somebody find out besides, you know, just Googling, oh, you know, you know, disability insurance attorney, that doesn't mean that that person's going to be good. So how, how can, you know, somebody go about finding out uh, more information on, on the attorney and if they are, good at what they do or not? I, it's a really important question. Um, and one that I've been grappling with, you know, with our marketing team for quite a while. Um, you know, the way sort of legal advertising and marketing generally works is that you've got these big directories um, that, you know, get all the hits on, on Google. And so if you're searching for, you know, long-term disability lawyer or homeowner's insurance lawyer, you know, the first, 10 results that you're going to get on Google are going to be localized area listings from all these big directories like Avo, um, FindLaw, uh, Lawyers.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really no different than the yellow pages, which are now extinct, but uh, essentially serves the same function. And so it's hard to really analyze, does this lawyer actually know what they're talking about? Is this an ethical lawyer? Is this person really going to care about me and my case? Are they going to do a good job? Um, that's extremely difficult for people to analyze when they're looking for a lawyer. And I, I think it's a big problem. I mean, there's a, a major issue in the legal profession that everyone's sort of grappling with right now, which is about access to justice. Um, because if you're not picking the right kind of lawyer, um, you're going to be in big trouble. Uh, so it's a great question. And I, I don't think I have the, um, a very suitable answer for you, but to um, do your research, um, ask for consultations, free consultations usually. Mm -hmm. um, use your common sense to evaluate whether the person you're talking to is a straight shooter, an honest individual. Um, you know, another good resource that's kind of a quick way to rule out the most unscrupulous kinds of lawyers is to go to the state bar website, you know, the California state bar, for example, and look them up and they'll have a record of any discipline in that, you know, has been laid down on the lawyer. And, uh, I mean, that's an easy red flag to identify. So a quick resource that might help people stay away from the worst of the worst. Okay. 
I mean, but that but that's a great uh, you know a great resource there is, is like you said is going to to the state bar and and looking them up because I know for for me as a CPA, you know uh, you can go in under professional licenses and look us up and then you can mm -hmm. see if there's any um, any complaints that have been been put against us or not. Um, what are some of the questions that, that clients, if they're coming into you, let's you know, use disability insurance as an example. What are some of the questions that uh, you wish they were asking you when they came in the door that they're not? Not that I'm trying to stump you or anything, but that's always a, you know, because as somebody who's, who's trying to claim disability, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have no idea what questions ask. Um, and that's always, that's always a hard thing. Cause I know when I talk to people that are, you know, just started out there, you know, a business or something, you know, they tell me, it's like, I don't even know what questions to ask. So. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good question. I'm trying to, uh, think about a good answer, but, um, the, the truth is because I tend to overexplain things anyway, I feel like there's nothing right. left to ask. Um, right. but I think by and large, um, it's always important to me to sort of evaluate the big issues, you know, to step back, look at things from a bird's eye perspective and really understand, you know, how are things going to play out and what's really going on here? You know, people call me and they want to jump right into explaining, you know, I had this automobile accident or I got cancer and I've gone through chemotherapy and, you know, my gender is changing and I can't sleep and I'm, you know, having all kinds of horrible problems. And, you know, I've been going back and forth with my insurance company, trying to explain to them, you know, that I'm disabled and they don't believe me. And they're asking for all these documents and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, they're really getting down into the weeds, which is important. And it's the right thing to do when you're talking to a lawyer. But I think sometimes it's really useful to sort of restore a sense of confidence and calm by asking your lawyer, are things going to be okay? What's going to happen to me? Am I doing the right thing here by even talking to a lawyer? This seems extreme. Right. I've never sued anybody before, but I'm at wit's end and I, I don't know what to do. I mean, those are the big questions that I think are so important to address. Um, because usually if you're at the point where you're talking to a lawyer, you're going through something extremely unusual that might happen to you one or two times in your entire life. And so I think getting that perspective and asking those kinds of questions is important. And usually my answer is you're doing the right thing. You're, you know, trying to enforce your rights here. Mm -hmm. um, you're trying to exercise the law the way it was intended to be exercised. You know, it's there for a reason. Um, and I think a lot of people would be, um, would feel a lot better about the process if they step back and, and look at it from that perspective. Now, um, I'm going to assume most of the time if somebody's coming to you about a, uh, a disability uh, insurance claim or something like that, it's because, you know, they, they either have only gotten a little bit of resolution from the insurance company or none at all. Um, so with that, I mean, is typically with a, um, a disability policy and stuff like that, are there 
because um, a lot of times as you're, you you read through these contracts and stuff like that, it basically is is putting the onus back on me as the the purchaser, the insured, um, in coming forth with with information. I mean, is that something that you're easily able to get from the insurance company of why they're denying the claim? Yeah, that's also a good question. Um, so there is an element to every sort of insurance claim where uh, it seems sort of opaque. You know, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they asking me to give them my tax returns? Um, why are they calling my doctor without ever telling me that they're going to call him and grilling him with questions? And why is my doctor telling me during my checkup that, you know, he felt like my insurance company was putting words in his mouth mm -hmm. or that they're bombarding him with requests for paperwork. Um, so yeah, there, there's an element to this. That's, you know, kind of what I would call like the fog of war. And fortunately in California, at least, and most other States, um, there are insurance regulations that seek to provide some transparency to the whole process. Um, you know, there are requirements that when your insurance company denies your claim, for example, that they have to provide you a written explanation that thoroughly explains the basis of their denial. Um, if you have, if you request a copy of your actual insurance policy, uh, they have to give it to you. Right. It's your contract. Um, but in practice, they don't actually do it. And part of the reason is because most people don't know you know, that they could even ask their insurance company to do that. They get away with it all the time. Um, so I think that you don't need to go out there and become an expert on the law or insurance regulations. You just need to use your common sense sometimes. And if things seem confusing to you or not clear, or like that they're hiding the ball or something like that, you know, put it in writing and send them an email or right. a fax because they live in, you know, the 1920s rather than the 2020s. And so they still do that, but uh, send them these requests in writing. It's so important to keep a paper trail and say, look, uh, you didn't even provide me an explanation for the denial. You just didn't pay me. You know, could you please provide me an explanation in writing? Um, you know, I'd like to request a copy of my insurance policy. I, I don't understand this contract or how it works, but I'd really like to get a copy of the policy. So I have, so I at least know what I'm, what I'm getting into. Those kinds of things are crucially important. And I think that just, you know, using common sense as a guidepost is more useful than people might realize. Right. So what are the, some of the common mistakes that you're seeing, um, you know, clients make when it comes with, to the uh, disability insurance? Yeah. So, um, recently one of the most common issues that we've been experiencing because of COVID has been that people have not been undergoing regular medical care. Okay, so let's say you've got a disability insurance policy. Okay. You know, the straightforward bargain is that the policyholder pays their insurance company monthly premiums. And in exchange, they get this protection in the form of a contract. And the contract says, if you become disabled, and that's a question in and of itself, if right. you become disabled under this contract, we will pay you and you will no longer have to pay us. Okay. There are other little granular details and contingencies and requirements that you have to adhere to as a policyholder in order to receive those benefits when you're disabled. 
one of the most important ones is that you're undergoing regular medical care with a doctor who's appropriate to be treating the condition that you have. You know, you can't just go see some witch doctor and say that you're complying with this requirement. It has to be a legitimate doctor. Sure. And so because of COVID, you know, people have been getting sick, they've become disabled. And for some conditions that are disabling, uh, they have not been able to go in and get regular medical treatment. You know, hospitals are full, doctors are not taking appointments, elective surgeries have been canceled, everything has been put on hold. And so insurance companies have been using that to their advantage and they say, well, uh, although you, uh, you know, claim to be having all these medical impairments and all these symptoms, you haven't seen a doctor in the past year and a half and your policy requires you to see a doctor. Uh, and so because you haven't complied with this requirement, we're going to deny your claim. Um, that's one of the common pitfalls that I think people can avoid just by doing the basic thing of getting a tele-app appointment, even if it seems completely useless, just check the box, do what you can so that your insurance company isn't going to be denying your claim on such specious, you know, bases. And it's, that's great advice because you think about it, you know, just going back to your use common sense to me, using common sense, if I can't get into the doctor to treat my ailment, then, uh, you know, it's not my fault. It's not the doctor's fault, but you know, it just, it, it, going to be, be one of those people that's not fair um and that's what it you know what it really seems like uh you know when, when it comes to that um so i mean tell us you know obviously you know a lot of the law with it and and i'm sure you've read more policies than most people have read books um what why is it important to have somebody like you in their corner um, when it comes to trying to fight the insurance company uh, on getting paid out? Well, I, you know, on the one hand, it's important to have a lawyer in this field because it's a crooked industry. It's a David and Goliath kind of fight every time. Um, insurance companies have limitless resources. They have an informational advantage. They know how to deny claims and get away with it. Um, the deck is totally stacked against policyholders and it's been that way for centuries. Right. I mean, that's why we have very specialized laws, you know, that specifically apply to insurance, um, you know, let alone every other sort of contract. I mean, insurance policies inherently are contracts, right. but they are regulated much differently than any other sort of contract that exists because of this disparate power between insurance companies and policyholders particularly when it comes to disability insurance and homeowners insurance, where the policyholder is dealing with some existential crisis in their life and they're panicked and they don't know what they're doing, you know? And so that's why we've got these protections. Um, but in terms of uh, your, your question about the policies, um, I think that one thing that's crucially important to realize is that you will never really be able to understand what the policy actually means from a legal perspective, unless you have a lawyer who's specialized in this area of the law, you know, to your original point, you know, can lawyers do everything? You know, your family lawyer is not going to be able to tell you what your disability insurance policy really, you know, provides, um, your criminal lawyer who kept you out of jail for that arson you committed in 93 is not going to be able to tell you what your rights are under your disability 
insurance policy. Right. So yeah, it's important to have someone who specializes in this that can really help you navigate it. But I've also felt very strongly, um, and my dad has felt the same way throughout his uh, career, that the relationship between policyholders and insurance companies should not require the intervention of a lawyer. Right. It is a basic bargain between ordinary individuals and companies. And to expect that for you to get the benefit of your bargain, you need to hire a specialist and pay a lawyer all this money to go out there and get your insurance company to pay up is totally ludicrous. Um, it's just not fair because then you're in the hole. Right. You're not getting the benefit of your bargain. You know, all of the money that you'll ultimately get from your insurance company is truncated by the amount that you have to pay your lawyer. And so that's why one of my favorite things about my job is doing podcasts like this, where hopefully I can shed some light on this very complex area of the law, this very complex kind of contract that's different from any other contract that people enter into. And my hope is that I can empower people so that they don't have to go out there and hire a lawyer to do it for them. Um, that to me is what a fair insurance system looks like. And unfortunately, it's not the way it, it currently is. There's a lot of work to be done. But I think that public education is crucial and there are lots of resources out there and my firm in particular has published thousands of articles you know that just try to shed light on how people can understand their insurance policies and fight their insurers on their own so you know you brought up about um you know that that whatever money i would get from my from the policy would be truncated by by your fees so how i mean how are attorneys in this situation how are they typically compensated is it flat fee is it hourly is it uh, a percentage of what's collected what 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 is common in this field or is that yeah what's common is the contingency fee model okay and you know to your question earlier about you know what should you be looking at and what kind of questions should you be asking if you're consulting a lawyer i think one of the most important ones is do you charge by the hour are you going to charge me a retainer or do you work on a contingency fee basis where the lawyer's fee is just a percentage of whatever they can go out there and get for you right that's the standard when it comes to plaintiff's law especially in insurance that's the way we work um and i would be very careful about lawyers who would try to entice you with you know, an hourly fee and they say, oh, it's a $5,000 retainer and I'll bill by the hour. And then before you know it, you know, they've practically done nothing that advances your case and your money is up and they need more, right? more and more. And there's this sort of insatiable appetite, you know, to keep billing while they're, you know, staring out the window, thinking about your case. Right. Uh, I can't stand that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah, that's not I, the I mean, line I'm, every lawyer who does it, but no, I'm I'm the same way. When we try to do stuff, I always, you know, with with you know, obviously, mine's, you know, I can't do a contingency fee based on somebody's refund or anything like that. But we usually try to come up with a flat fee, so then that way the the you know the client isn't worried about you know, oh, is he just staring out the window thinking about things or is he actually you know working for me type thing. Right. Um, so in these kind of cases, though, are you not able to, because the, the insurance company isn't doing their job, 
because um, I always say, you know, insurance companies are great at collecting money. They're not so good at paying it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, are you not able to sue them for attorney's fees? Yes. So in certain situations, you can. Um, okay. There's an element of the law called bad faith, and it does not exist in every jurisdiction, but it does in California. Okay. Uh, so the way I like to sort of explain this is that there's two main components to an insurance dispute. Um, and I'm sorry, can you hear the leaf blower out there? Nope, nope, you're good. Oh, good. All right. Okay, so two main sort of uh, elements to like an insurance dispute. One is the breach of contract. Okay, you know, the contract provides that if you prove that you're disabled, your insurance company has to pay you X dollars every month. Okay, you've proven that you're disabled, but your insurance company won't pay you. It's a breach of contract. Your remedy is that you go to court, you march in there, you explain your case to the judge, and the judge orders your insurance company to pay up what they owe under the contract. Um, There is an additional element here that seeks to make the policyholder whole because the law recognizes that if you've had to go into court and get a judge to order the insurance company to pay you the benefits that they've owed you all along, um, you're still in the hole. You're not getting the benefit of your bargain because you had to pay a lawyer to do that. You had to wait all this time, you know, and go through all this frustration, you know, going to court. Um, and if your insurance company forced you to do that because they engaged in bad faith, in other words, they forced you into this situation where you had to go hire a lawyer to enforce your rights and get what you were owed under the contract. And it was unreasonable and they were doing so for fraudulent reasons, malicious reasons, oppressive reasons, right. uh, then there is a public policy uh, that promotes making the insurance holder uh, whole. And so it pays your attorney's fees. Um, not every single case is a bad faith case. You know, Sometimes there are reasonable disputes about whether your insurance company actually owes this money or not, but Frequently, there is no dispute. And it was clear that they owed this money the entire time. And the only reason they didn't pay you was because they thought they could get away with murder. Right. And they wouldn't, you know, have the uh, time or, you know, capacity to go out there and, you know, tough it out in a fight, you know, with lawyers to go get the money. I mean, insurance companies bank on that to, you know, not pay out benefits. And so when they get caught, you know, they end up being liable, not just for the contractual benefits, but for the attorney's fees, you know, for emotional distress damages, and sometimes even punitive damages. Right. Uh, So yeah, there's, there's more money to be um, recovered than just what's owed under your uh, insurance contract and in those kinds of situations. Gotcha. So, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. So in, in the course of time that you've been doing this, what is something that um, you know, that you've learned either from, you know, like another attorney or one of your clients or a judge or just the process itself that has really stuck with you over time? I, I mean, two lessons come to mind. Um, first of all, the greatest mentor I've ever had is, is my dad. And I'm fortunate enough that, you know, he's an outstanding lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the most resounding lessons that I've ever had from him is that you have to be persistent with this stuff. Um, insurance companies will wear you down 
you know, they will use time to their advantage. They will use their financial resources and army of lawyers to their advantage. And they will dig in to unjustifiable positions uh, and just wait it out in the hopes that you and your client will just throw in the towel. Um, So persistence pays off. Um, And that takes, you know, a lot out of everyone. It takes more out of the client than the lawyers though. You know, this is my job. Uh, You know, I can withstand that kind of uh, tactic, but for someone who is, you know, against the ropes, who's, you know, disabled, who sometimes is terminally ill and doesn't have all the time in the world, you know, to be uh, waiting for a resolution to their case. Um, you know, it's understandable that they want to give up, um, that it's not worth it to them, even if there's a lot of money to be made, you know, at the end of the road. Um, so I think that digging deep and finding inner strength uh, to continue a long fight, a war of attrition, uh, ultimately pays off. Right. Yeah, because lots of times, I mean, you know, the nice thing, and in, in, in I talk about this with myself, you now um, with financial planners and stuff like that, that, that lots of times, you know, we're, we're able to help because we don't have the emotional attachment to it where our clients do. And lots of times we do have to, I say, t- t- talk, talk them off the cliff from, in your case, thrown in town, just saying, okay, it's not worth it anymore. Um, you know, so I, I definitely think that that's, that that's something important in us as professionals need to remember that because lots of times I think as professionals, um, the ones that aren't so good don't look at it that way and they're ready to throw the towel in too because they're not being paid um, because it's on contingency or, or something like that. Um, so I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. Um, we've covered a bunch of stuff at, at this point. What is it that I haven't asked you that you wish I had? Well, you warned me beforehand. <laughs> you asked the question and I should be more prepared. But you asked all the good questions. Um, I think that one thing that I, I would hope everyone would know from this uh, is that if you're dealing with a, a difficult situation with your insurance company, whether you know, it's a disability dispute or a homeowner's insurance claim, or you're a small business, you know, and you suffered some, you know, disruption, you know, that you think is insured and your insurance company is giving you a hard time. Don't give up. Um, There are resources out there that you can use. And it doesn't mean that you have to go out there and hire a lawyer and engage in this multi-year long battle in court you know, and get dragged through the mud. There are so many resources out there for people that are free, uh, that provide quick and uh, relatively easy solutions. Um, I would very strongly advise people uh, to go out there and exercise their rights. Use the California Department of Insurance. Um, The effect of writing them a letter, you know, explaining your story and asking for help can be tremendously powerful. Uh, going out there and uh, finding a lawyer who will give you a free consultation and listen to your story and tell you, you know, here are your options. 
you know, here are the issues, it's this, this, and that, you know, here are the challenges, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle because of this, this, and that, um, gives you, you know, an informational advantage that you need when you're going up against an insurance company. Right. Don't do it, you know, alone, go out there and pull all the support that you possibly can, uh, because you need it with insurance companies. Right. So, you know, you and your firm do a lot of education and stuff like that. So if our listeners at this point like what they hear, they want to talk to you or they just want to be able to get to these articles that you've talked about, how can they how can they get in touch with you or even find these articles? Yeah, just go to our website, um, borislaw.com. Go to insuranceconsumers.com. There are tons of articles on there that discuss every tiny subcomponent of uh, an insurance claim. And you might find the answer that you're looking for and you never even need to pick up a telephone. Um, I think second is you're always welcome to call me. Uh, I love doing free consultations. I love educating people about this area of the law. I love my clients. I love prospective clients that I ultimately say, you don't need a lawyer. You know, here are some things that you can do. Um, it just makes me happy. Uh, so yeah, feel free to call my office, um, 415-392-4660, uh, write us an email, uh, legal admin at borislaw.com and it's spelled B like boy, O U R H I S. You know, it's, it's a small law firm. You know, my dad founded this law firm 40 some odd years ago now, and his mission was to go out there and help ordinary people who have been wronged by insurance companies. It's not just about, uh, you know, making an exceptional reputation for ourselves and, uh, you know, going out there and uh, suing insurance companies in these landmark cases. That's fun too, but our mission is not to go out there and, uh, you know, be in court, you know, time and again, our mission is to make the insurance industry fair for ordinary policyholders. And so anything I can do when, you know, an ordinary individual is having an issue and they just need a little help and they need someone who can listen and, and tell them, you know, what's really going on, uh, makes me feel like we are fulfilling our mission. So please don't hesitate to, to reach out. I'm happy to talk to anyone, even if it's not going to be a case. Right. That's great. Great words of advice. Um, you know, Matt, we really appreciate your time today. Um, our guest today on the podcast has been Matt Boris with Boris Law Group. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.